we have to do a lot as leaders to 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 sort of promote that sort of cultural change because it's yes. not it's not oppositional to being a good lawyer or making a lot of money. I think you can be a good lawyer and do great work and make a lot of money and not just like shred through people and have people hide themselves. I think it's actually like a win-win-win. Um, but I think there's, it's going to take a lot of work to get there. Welcome back to the Thriving Lawyers Podcast. In this week's episode, join Michael Kahn for part two of a discussion with Mike Kasdan about his refreshing approach to lawyering, which includes self-awareness, vulnerability, authenticity, and humane leadership. What's mindfulness? Um, I, think it's, I think it's really training your brain to work optimally. Uh, and I think that includes taking spaces. Um, but I think, you know, there's a lot of science behind it. There's a course that I'm taking now online at Coursera. I read about it in the New York Times article recently. Uh, it's called The Science of Happiness. It's, uh, it's oh, yeah, Yale. a Yale professor. Is uh, it Yale, it's, right? Yeah, it's up at Yale. It's uh-huh. online. It's mm-hmm. the most popular course in the history of Yale. Um, yep. And I think the really important part is I think when people think about mental health and wellness, they either think about people are really acutely sick with depression or anxiety um, or you know PTSD or bipolar disorder. They're really the sick side. Um, and you know when you you're talking about thriving right the opposite yeah. of right like so mental health is not the is, is you know is not the opposite of mental illness it's thriving um, right. and and so i think that the really important point that that course makes and that i think we have to make is it's not just making sure that we can deal with those situations that's important of course uh, you know having gone through that situation i think it's important to deal with those situations when they occur um but it's also you know the, the other side of it people think is like okay it's people saying breathe better and do yoga better and blah, blah, blah. And there's this huge like other space in between where it's like, well, no, we're just, we're talking about creativity and making your brain function well. And and I've had this conversation a few, a few times. I think there's this, there's this identity problem, misconception. It's like, it's, it's, it's intertwined with this masculinity stuff we've been talking about because people will say, well, I'm, I'm a lawyer, I'm a soldier, right? I'm going off to war. I'm beating people. I got to be tough. And, and I've actually had these conversations with people. I've had it online on LinkedIn because now I'm on, actually on LinkedIn talking about this stuff that I never was. Yeah. Uh, where I'm saying, no, 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 hold on. Like, you're not a soldier. Soldiers are soldiers. Like, you're a partner <laughs> at a law firm in Utah. All right. You're right. doing IP. And, and of course, like, winning is important and, 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 and it's a bad stakes. But in, yeah. in 95 or more percent of the case, the most important skill as a, law, as a lawyer is being a creative problem solver, right? You're gonna be an ally to business, you're gonna find a solution, you're gonna resolve disputes. Um, and to be a creative problem solver effectively, um, you have to have a brain that functions well. And I think mindfulness and all the stuff we're talking about, it you know, the science, there's science behind it that shows like you're actually training your brain to just function better. You're more creative, uh, you have better energy. Um, and I think, you know, if people, looked at it that way. I think just the word mindfulness, you know, by the time I say Ness and mindfulness, you know, I think 80% <laughs> of people are like on to the next thing because they have this image of it. Um, so maybe we just need a different word for it. Well, it's really brain training. Yeah. And, and really it is, and you're right. I mean, the word mindfulness has been kind of used so much and it ad nauseum that um, yeah, it's it very can, can lose its meaning. But to me, it's uh, the synonym for mindfulness is self-awareness. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, that's great. And and it's it's all it's all about. And I, I know you know this, but it's about just being aware of the present moment, 
right now, like as I'm talking to you, Mike, how am I feeling? What am I thinking? Uh, what is my body telling me? And then that gives you the opportunity at that moment to make a choice, to make a different choice often than your automatic choices when you're facing, particularly when you're facing um, adversity and, and um, different difficult situations. So, so, and that, and you brought that all up earlier when you're talking about what's helped you with your depression, which is being aware of, of your, at that, at the time, your uh, tendencies, like right. people pleasing, like similarly, not be, not saying no, like putting your needs last. But, but once you have that awareness, then that's where you have all the power, right? Cause then you yeah. can start to make changes even, you know, it takes a while, of course, but you can start to make changes. Yeah. You know, if you're not aware, like self-awareness is a beautiful thing. Um, sort of constant struggle. It's, it's kind of our, our, our human condition, I guess. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe it's what makes it interesting to be human. But um, the word choice is something that, like, my therapist uses a lot, um, and she's she's great. And and I think what I think what a lot of young young people struggle with, um, and uh, what a lot of young lawyers struggle with is, and I try to speak about this when I talk to law students, is you know they feel like they don't have a lot of choice. Um, but they actually have a lot more choice and young and young associates too. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I would much rather a young associate, you know, communicate to me and say, Hey, you know, I've got to watch my kids for these two hours. So that thing you asked for, I'm going to get it to you, but it's going to be at the, you know, at this time, instead of not saying anything and just saying, I got to pound this out for Mike. And you'd you'd be okay with that. Mike, if someone said that to you. Absolutely. I mean, look, there, there are times in everyone's life and career where there's a deadline and, and it has to be. Um, right. But for me, like communicating and doing something effectively, and that goes for me too. So if, you know, if, if I'm leaving the office at seven o'clock and doing family stuff, I certainly don't want someone saying, oh, you know, I'm going to get it to you tonight and getting it to me at 10 o'clock and I'm sleeping. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I usually say, I'm not going to look at this until, you know, Tuesday because I've got these other right. things going. I think communication goes, goes a long way. Um, and I also think, you know, part of what I really want to talk about with Lawyer and Well Human is also like authenticity. Um, you know, bringing your whole self to work. I, I, I really think that, and, and it ties in with with diversity because I think what makes us special yes. um, is you know our diverse experiences and backgrounds and passions and interests. And I think a lot of people, especially in like in law firms, you know, they th- they come to work and they say, okay, whatever I am outside, I've got to be that like button down lawyer, and I got to like put on the suit and button it up and talk a certain way and write a certain way, and you kind of forget all of who you are. Uh, when to me, that's the creative, that's like the best part. Um, and so yeah. I think, uh, you know, that, that's, that's another aspect. So, you know, one thing, the lawyering while human, um, the name comes from a presentation I did in 2016 that I'd actually kind of forgotten about, but it was a really great opportunity I had. Uh, and, I, you know, I had this friend who uh, got me, I was like a last minute substitute speaker for this bar conference. And he knew I wrote for the Goodman Project. He said, I want you to talk about that Goodman Project stuff. And so I talked about mental health and I talked about authenticity. And I talked about how, um, you know, writing for the Goodman Project actually made me a really like a much better um, storyteller um, and writer. And I think that's what really writing briefs and arguing is about, right? Telling a good story. Uh, And those are really important skills. But, you know, at the time when I was an associate, I was like, there's no way I can tell anyone, you know, I'm publishing this stuff. But there's no way I would share something I wrote at work or say, hey, I'm working on this thing um, because I was because I because I, in my associate brain, 
I thought the partner would say, well, why weren't you here billing more hours? Why are you writing about sports? You know, you know, mm-hmm. and, but meanwhile, and, and so, so I hid that part of myself. Uh, I also, of course, like hid the mental health part of myself that I no longer do. Um, but I think all those things kind of make us, you know, who we are. And, and, and I think there's, there's value in sort of being yourself. So, uh, you know, and I think, a lot of this push is coming from like that younger generation, but I think, yes. you know, we have to do a lot as leaders to, to, to sort of promote that sort of cultural change because it's yes. not, it's not oppositional to being a good lawyer or making a lot of money. I think you can be a good lawyer and do great work and make a lot of money and not just like shred through people and have people hide themselves. I think it's actually like a win, win, win. Um, but I think there's, it's going to take a lot of work to get there. Well, as leadership changes, as the as the older leaders, not just to make it a not just to make it a generational issue, but I think as some of the older leaders cycle out, and you get some of the newer folks like yourself, who um, where this this way of being is more natural, um, that hopefully that, and I think it already is yeah. in the change. But what I do hear from a lot of my my lawyer clients um, is especially the younger ones is the lack of mentorship. I mean, they some of these firms speak a good game and say, "Yeah, we you know here's your mentor," but it's not it's not something that these associates can count on. Uh, but not only that, not only just the lack of mentorship, but the lack of I've I've heard it described, and I love this. You may have heard this: a board of directors, which is Mm-hmm. Folks, your support system, people that you can reach out to, doesn't just have to be lawyers, but different types of folks who you reach out to f- for different types of things. Like there might be, there might be someone, and you you may be able to relate to this. I know I do. I have certain people who I know. If I'm needing just a vent, yeah. I mean, certainly I have my partner Stephanie. But if, but out of my f- friends, if I need need to just vent, there's someone who I know I can go to. Yeah, who's real really nurturing important. and and listener. Then there's somebody else who I know is going to help me just get right in and fix a problem. You right. know what I mean? Yeah, you have to have a big diversity that, that you know that network. Mm-hmm. I think it's so true. Um, but yeah, I mean, what you talked about is you know, so talking a good game versus actually doing it. Like, and that's the part where where change is slow. And I mean, you see it in all these kind of institutional areas, right? We wish we were like further along than we are, and they're hard problems to solve because they're institutional and because they're really ingrained like the ideas about masculinity really ingrained ideas about race and gender are really ingrained um ideas about culture and mental health are really ingrained uh so it takes a a large push to change it and i think it has to come from not only the top down but the bottom up but i think the bottom up is is not insignificant and having conversations with my peers you know when they see that the younger generation you know saying no and on one level you know, they're, they're like, I can't believe that that, that kid said no, and he's going to do it this way. And, <laughs> but part of it is, I mean, and I've had conversations where they're like, I'm jealous. Like, I didn't realize, like, I certainly didn't do that when I was that person's age. Um, yes. But I didn't realize I had that choice. I didn't realize I had that power. And if I did, maybe I would have, and I would have taken care of myself because frankly, if I have a superstar associate um, who, you know, needs more time or has some issue, like, I want to nurture that person because that person's going to be really great to work with and they're going to help me, you know, do great work. And so, you know, rather than 
burning through that person. I want to be sensitive. And if they communicate to me, I can always make other arrangements. If it means that they're not going to do the next draft, but I have to do the next draft, you know, that's fine. But there's, there's, of course, you know, at the, what, what happens is at the margins, you know, Clients are, you know, come in and they have expectations and they have deadlines and you got to get something done. And usually I think it's like it's it's really a leadership and issue. It's a management issue. Um, You know what happens? I'll tell you one story from my past. um, But I think what happens is the people who are the leaders, the partners, they get anxious and nervous and they push too hard because they didn't quite plan it out. And they're in their time crush and they push all that down onto someone else. Um, and that's, of course, very natural and it's certainly not, uh, you know, unique to law. But, you know, I, I, I really enjoyed my, my first, you know, law job at Kirkland and Ellis. I worked with really smart people. I did really like interesting work on big cases. I got great experience early. I got, I got to take depositions and write briefs and travel and, and work on interesting cases. Um, but I left Kirkland um, after my daughter was born. Uh, because I was called because my wife, uh, my then wife gave birth on a Friday um, and she was in the hospital and I got called by the partner I was working with to come into the office on Saturday. Um, and it's not it's not, oh, Mike's lazy, like he doesn't work hard. It, and it's not, oh, you know, Mike, you know, you know, you know isn't doing his job, didn't get his work done. Um, you know, he was traveling on the Sunday. Uh, I was I had always traveled previously t- with him. He he. You know, he didn't know how to make his own travel arrangements. He didn't know how to get from the airport to the place. He didn't know, you know, how to organize his documents. And he had a lot of anxiety about it. So when I said, um, I can't come to the office right now because my wife's in the hospital and I'm in the hospital, he said, well, I really need you to come in. Um, and I did. Wow. Um, and then, wow. you know, and then, I, and then I realized, you know, I don't want to be that. And, and that, that's had a lot of influence in kind of how I lead and how I try and treat associates. Um, yeah. And it also had a lot of influence on my career path because I left. Um, and how, how, how long did it, when, how long after that did you leave? Uh, two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah. So you left, you, you decided to leave the firm right away after that, after that experience. Yeah. Because, you know, I looked forward and, um, and I was like, if I do really, really well and this, yeah. you know, and I don't want to be unfair to, to him uh, either. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was, you know, dealing with stress and deadlines, but you know, mm-hmm. he, he had a young kid and he was billing an amount of hours that if I told you and you did the math, like you wouldn't even understand how it was right. possible. And so <laughs> when I thought at that time with, with a newborn baby and with my son was two um, and, and, and I had no problem working hard. I, I like working hard. I like doing good work, yeah. Um, yeah. but, but that, but to have it be constant for like no reason, um, you know, it was problematic. And so, so that you know, was really a, yeah, it was, yeah. it was a really defining moment. Cause I looked and I said, right. Okay, I'm doing well. And they tell me I'm doing well. And if I continue to do well, I'm going to become that guy. And that guy like never sees his kid. <laughs> and he builds right. like, $3,000 a year and he's stressed. Right. And, and I was like, it's like, what, what am I doing? There's no here? amount of money. There's just no amount of money. Yeah. And so, um, so, so I went to a different place where I, where I tried, where I thought I could also do interesting work and, 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 I, and I do see that happening. I do see younger lawyers more able or even to consider something like that mm-hmm. um, uh, quicker maybe than, than years ago. Yeah. I think uh, when looking at, at lifestyle and, and um, quality of life. Um, and, and I've have my, some of my younger clients too will, 
we'll say no and set limits with the partners. Yeah. Um, and I'm impressed with that, to be honest. I'm, I mean, they, and they do too. it and they do it respectfully and they do it thoughtfully. Um, but they, they do set some limits and I want to throw out, um, or shout out, uh, you mentioned law schools that you're talking to law schools and our last, the last podcast, well, we just dropped a new one, but two podcasts ago or two guests ago, we had Shalini George, uh, who's uh, a professor at, yeah, at Suffolk University Law School. And she's doing some great work um, at that law school. Uh, she's even uh, teaching a pilot class just around well-being exactly. issues and that they're, they're giving her space to do that. So there's definitely a thing. I went to law school in the 80s. Yeah. And now to be fair, I did have, we did have a counselor there, which I was pretty progressive, I think back in the eighties to have yeah, a counselor. For sure. for um, sure. So I want to bring you back to the, the lowering while human. Yeah. And, and what is your, what, what's your mission? What's your goal? What's your vision? Yeah, for so, the lawyer, and and is it a website or is it a blog or what? What exactly? What is? Yeah, it? How so, is it so, packaged? Sure. Um, so I'm, I am still working on the website. I've been okay. busy doing the lawyering part more, but but I'm pretty active on this on socials, and and I can give you that information. But I'm on Instagram and, and Twitter. And yeah, Facebook. we'll have that. We'll have um, that with the podcast. But um, but the vision, um, and and so I, I think there's really two components to it. Um, you know, one part of it is is the sort of longer term um, culture change that I'm talking about. Um, and I think, you know, the pathway into this conversation, like I said, I think a lot of people have a misconception about that when we're talking about, you know, mental health and wellness, we're either talking about going to the gym or doing yoga or being really, really sick. And I think that it's uh, what, what I want to talk about is it's just an integral part of being a lawyer. Um, and I really, really believe that the pathway in uh, the reason that everyone should care about this stuff. Um, and I think uh, like Professor George is modeling that at Suffolk by integrating it into a four credit course in law school. That yeah. This is part of your personal and professional development. It's going to make you a better lawyer. Um, and so the way in, you know, why people should care about this, um, you know, even if they don't suffer from depression or whatever, um, is this is a leadership competency. Um, I think that if you're going to be a, a leader in a law firm or in an in-house, um, if you're going to be in this world, um, you know, nine out of 10 people have, you know, know someone either themselves are dealing with this or a family member. If you're leading people and, and our business is all about people, right? That's, you know, we're a good law firm because of our people and, and their brains and their ability to do good work. Um, so if you're going to be a leader, I think today you have to care about and be able to navigate this stuff. Um, and if you want to foster innovation and creativity and be the creative problem solvers that great lawyers need to be, uh, you need to have an infrastructure, uh, you know, and a firm culture and policies that support this. So, so part of what I want to, I'm talking about. So I want to talk to, uh, and I am talking with law students and law schools on one level, and lawyers and law firms uh, on another and level, leaders. Um, and leaders about, you know, about these issues. Um, and you know, some of it I can do on my own. It's you know, sharing my own experience and my own insights. And for example, you know, and that's kind of the long game. But I also think in the short term, uh, you know, from being out. 
um, from dealing with depression and anxiety over a long period of time, both as an associate uh, and as a partner and kind of having uh, almost every job you could have in the law. Like I've been a law clerk and I've been an in-house lawyer and I've been at a small firm and a medium firm and a large firm. Um, and I've been, you know, an associate, I've been a paralegal uh, and now I'm a partner. I feel like um, having gone through that, um, I think I can help law firms and lawyers to um, arrive at policies and structures and programming and education and sort of build a culture so, like, like kind of the nuts and bolts stuff. So do you see um, yourself being a, um, a consultant um, in that kind yeah, of role I mean, at some point? I do. And I think the way, so right now I'm navigating this, like I'm really enjoying being a lawyer um, yeah. and, and, uh, and I'm, and I'm building this while I'm doing it and it's, it's very integrated and, it, and it's great. And, um, but I think, you know, when, when I look at the law world, uh, what I see is, I see really big, and I'm talking about law firms um, and look at them first because I think that's where I have the most experience personally. Um, but I see big firms, the really, really big law firms, um, like for example, Kirkland and Ellis, where I worked, uh, or Quinn Emanuel, or you know, the very large firms. Um, those firms are hiring wellness directors, right? And you said, oh, it's great. Yes. It's great. And, and, it, and it's great. I've met a lot of those people, and uh, I think it's a wonderful development. Um, but I think, you know, if only those big law firms, uh, you know, which which are in many ways like the hardest places to work culturally, right, um, have that resource. I think it's great that they're thinking about it and those people are doing tremendous work. Um, but it's but it's sort of in the very narrow top level that level and being at a, at a firm of the size of Wigan and Dana, where we're 150 lawyers, which, you know, in law firms makes you like, you know, medium size. I think there's a vast middle layer. Um, and then, of course, like there are many small law firms and, you know, yeah. um, and those places maybe don't have the resources or ability to hire a full time person. Um, so so one thing I, I so, so one thing I think I could add is to sort of be an outsourced, whether you call it a consultant or an outsourced director of wellness. But mm -hmm. uh, I think I could could help firms in that middle layer to set up their wellness programs, to bring in people to, to do these things, to to work on their actual policies and structures and internal groups to kind of build the type of culture that we're talking about. Um, and I think, you know, if I'm able to do that through Lori while human, you know, myself and bringing in others to do that, I, I think that we could reach a lot more people more broadly. So that's, that's kind of my hope. I love that idea. I think that's Thanks. really, I'm not sure anybody else is doing that right now. Yeah. I don't, uh, think, that, I don't think anyone else is doing it right now. Um, and, it's uh, a, and it's a great idea. Thank you. And, and you, you do, I think you're right. You come very, uh, uniquely qualified, uh, both in terms of, I think your own story, certainly, uh, your own personal story certainly helps you, uh, in this work. It's not just an abstract thing for you and the fact that you've come out of the other, come out the other side, but also, um, the work is never done. Right. Like you, exactly. you, as, as you said, you've had bouts with depression. Now each time for sure. you have more tools, exactly. each time it comes up, which is great. And you still have a therapist, which I, of course, as a therapist, uh, I think that <laughs> I recommend that for everybody. Um, and you're just, I, I love, I'll go back to what you said before, which I really liked, which was very um, forward thinking and long-term thinking. You were, you said, if I have an associate who's really good and um, the last thing I want to do is burn him out or burn her out. Yeah. So that's very thoughtful way to think about not only is it good. I mean, listen, I would love if everyone 
uh, made decisions based on, you know, altruism. (laughs) And if that's not enough, think about, well, how is this good for the firm? How is this good for our clients? Exactly. You want someone who is working on all cylinders, right? Yeah. And I think what's inspiring uh, is, you know, there is, I think there's a lot more top-down leadership is needed. um, And I hope to have a role in that. Um, you know, law firms, if you take a cynical view of law firms, which many do, and I understand why, um, you know, law firms don't often make gigantic changes without it making yeah. monetary sense. Uh, mm-hmm. and if you, but if you look at the pro bono and diversity sort of pathways, you know, when clients started demanding stuff, uh, law firms changed. Um, and I think it's interesting. Such I as have, diversity. Well, yeah. And I think, I think yeah. it's very parallel. And I think what's, what's inspiring to me is, for example, I came across uh, a fellow in the UK, um, and he's running an organization called the Mindful Business Charter. Uh, his name is Richard Martin. Um, and that was started by some very large companies in England, uh, uh, HSBC and Lloyds of London, basically saying, we recognize that we're gigantic clients, and that when we send an email to our law firm, they run around like chickens without heads and drop everything. And that's actually not great for us. It's not good for us. It's not good for them. And so we want to actually, so it actually started from clients. Wow. Uh, and, and, and so a number, of, yeah, a number of companies and law firms have signed up to that mindful business charter. Uh, again, I think it's wow. from, from that sort of mindfulness buzzword in its title. But what it really is, 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 is some of these concepts and sort of building in these concepts to culture about how we communicate, when we send emails, um, you know, and, and I think it's interesting to see it coming from, I think it's really, really progressive to see it coming from that direction and really hopeful because that's so this is coming from the companies, from clients, not from yeah. the firms. Well, that's how firms. it started, but, but a n- number of, mm. of firms and companies have signed up to this mindful business charter, uh, huh. to sort of try and do business in accordance with these principles. Um, but yeah, okay. I think more, more of that is kind of needed to, to push us to where we need to go. But yes. I do think it makes business sense. In fact, I'm uh, I'm I'm working on a uh, an article on the business case for um, uh, well-being in law, and others have uh, before me written tremendous law review articles on it. But I'm working on an article to say, like, look, this actually makes economic sense. Um, you know, if if you if you look at it, and I think that's an important kind of piece to the conversation if we're really talking about these yes. big changes. All right, we just have a three or four minutes left, but I do want to, I do want to ask you about the hashtag we rage for love. <laughs> what? Tell me more about that. What, what was that about? Um, so it started, uh, I wrote an article for the good men project uh-huh. um, during the uh, either the, the Trump campaign or, or, or his presidency. Uh, and it was really talking about kind of like the intensity that people need to push for important social change Mm. Uh, and it's really for love. And, and it, it really came, it uh-huh. came from a quote where someone was say, basically saying, like, if we fought as hard for the beliefs that we have on the issues that we care about, as, for example, the NRA fights for guns, um, that's kind of the passion you have to bring for it. But yeah. it's not, you know, it's for love. Like, we're it's coming from a good place. But, you know, you have right. to fight like it's everything to you. Um, yes. Like it's your reason yes. for being. And and so it, that, that was sort of came from a political place. Um, yeah. But, you know, it was it was talking about kind of that. Yeah. And then uh, the other hashtag you mentioned, not weak, just human was a really important yes. one to me uh, that came out of, you know, the Goodman Project not only uh, uh, puts out 
articles, I think 40 articles a day on a range of topics, but also uh, interactive. So I helped to create this, uh, this program there called Social Interest Groups, where every night of the week you have a phone call. Uh, it's actually like a like a it's like a podcast. Uh, it's an interactive podcast where all the callers are involved in the conversation, uh, and they have they have conversations on race and gender. And I actually led one on on mental health for a while. And in addition to to having to sort of having a group to talk about, uh, we wanted to do something um, out in the world, and we we did a video, uh, sort of a public service announcement to to try of try and sort of destigmatize to say, you know, we're not weak, just human and, and had different people from different walks of life uh, sort of talk, talking about themselves and, and the issues that they were dealing with. And this is through the Good Men Project? Yep, that was all through the Good so Men folks, Project. So folks, and is that still going on or, or is it that's... Uh, still writing about mental health for the Good Men Project. I wrote an article just last week. But uh, I mean, the, uh, the that not weak, just human, where people were calling the way you described is uh, So the hashtag, Yeah, the hashtag yeah. is still in use uh, right now. Yeah. This, uh, there's, there's not a mental health social interest group going right now. The ones okay. we have are uh, environment, race, uh, uh, gender, and relationships. Um, but okay. uh, but they, they kind of come in cycles, and there'll probably be a mental health one again. And, but people um, can yeah. find out about that going to the website. Yeah, you can go to the Good Men Project, and uh, you can search okay. on, on Twitter for that hashtag. You'll, you'll find a bunch of stuff. And then you're going to have uh, Loring Well Human is going to have a website soon down the road. Uh, yep, yep. We, uh, we it will be at, at www.loringwellhuman.com. Um, there is a, a whole a placeholder up there, um, but right now I'm sharing content every day uh, on Instagram and Twitter. Um, yes, on, uh, and LinkedIn on, as well, right? And LinkedIn, LinkedIn. It's just me, Mike Kasdan. Um, yeah, and uh, <laughs> uh, on on those other places uh, on 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 Twitter. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's at, uh, law underscore while underscore human. Um, and on Instagram, uh, it's at, uh, zen.mayhem actually, uh, which is zen. a term I sometimes used to describe myself <laughs> and it's been my long time fantasy baseball name that I turned into that. Ah. So, uh, and I'm also on Facebook. There's a group called lawyer and while human, um, it's an open public group, uh, where, uh, yeah, I'm just sharing articles, sharing content, thoughts, memes, yeah. that kind of stuff. Uh, it's, it's kind of been fun to build community that way, uh, connect to different law firms and law schools and, and folks out there. Well, you're doing fantastic work, Mike, really. I think uh, that's, I don't want to be trite and say the conversations need to happen. More <laughs> than conversations need to happen for sure. But And you are doing more than conversations, but you're putting it out there. You're also modeling vulnerability and authenticity uh and congruity con- congruence is am i saying that right i'll take it you're saying nice things about <laughs> me i'll take it <laughs> i'm having a moment here i'm not sure I'll it. anyway you're being congruent there you go thank you <laughs> um and that's and that's hugely important that yeah, kind well, of modeling thank you. and being thank a good leader um the folks who work uh, at your firm, the associates, especially the young associates, are, are lucky to have you. So that's that's where change happens. Yeah. No. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. And you know, I uh, I'm grateful for for kind of falling into the Good Men Project. And it's interesting you mentioned about the conversation. And I think it is important to start the conversation. And it's really important to actually, you know, you have you have a action. Yeah, action. But uh, but the tagline yeah. for the Good Men Project uh, always has been and still is. Uh, the conversation no one else is having, and mm. uh, you know, on issues yeah. like diversity, inclusion, and race, and gender, yeah. and mental health, like more people are having it, and that's fantastic. Um, yeah. But uh, I kind of love that tagline, and, and it's kind of an inspiration to kind of 
bring the conversation as, as, a, as a first step, you know, to more people. When we do our workshops, uh, when we used to do them in person in the room, uh, we'd have lawyers come up to us and our programs are on, on ethics, but it's, it's uh, more around the impact of stress on ethical decision-making Sure. and we do well-being programs, et cetera. Um, but we'd often have lawyers come up and say, I am just glad to hear that I'm not the only one Yeah. because we're very interactive. So they hear from each other and just that. Is very if that's just the only takeaway for for lawyer attending the program, that's huge. Yeah, I agree. They know that there are other people out there who are struggling. Of course, that's not the last step. That's the first step to to feel um, like I'm not alone, and that and that that in and of itself helps folks feel better. But then it's of course okay. Now what do I do? Yeah. What kind of tools can I use to to help me get to a better place? Yeah. yeah. And even though, like I said, these are big, slowly changing problems, it's I'm, a, I'm I am inspired and hopeful because more people are talking about it. You know, I had an experience three years after I had depression where I met people I used to work with who are senior to me and I described what had happened. I thought I was telling this big secret. Uh, this thing happened to me. I didn't know what was happening. And they were both like, oh, yeah, yeah, that happens to us all the time. But nobody yes. talked about it. No. So being out and seeing people, seeing more people yes. talk about it now, I think yes. gives us a chance. It gives us a chance. Yes. And telling your story, I do a lot of work with clients who are, who are dealing with grief and loss. And telling your story is often what folks who are grieving want to do, to talk about the person who died. Sure. And often when they do, that's what happens. The person they're telling will say, yeah, I lost my child too, or yeah, yeah I had a miscarriage too. So it's that, it's just opening up leads to connection. And that connection is just so critical. Yeah. And, and we're not... We're not getting as much as we need, particularly during the pandemic. Yeah, um, yeah, so I agree. I mean, I'm a big storytelling story person. I, mm-hmm. I believe that like storytelling is like the path to social change and uh, on all these topics, right? Because it's 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 connection, and that's what all the stuff is about. Like you were talking about it, that opening up is is a beautiful thing, and it actually it's productive. Like you can actually move forward uh, to a different place. So uh, yes, so yeah, I have a lot a lot of, a lot of hope for this, and a lot of energy around it. Well, Mike, thank you. I know you have a uh, a child to uh, to get at the airport soon, and I'm sure you're looking forward to that. So I want to um, end the the interview now. But I really appreciate uh, you're giving me your time today, and I look forward to us staying connected. Same here. Appreciate your time, and thanks for inviting me on. It was, it was great to talk with you. Thank you, and thanks everybody for uh, for coming back and listening. We'll. Uh, We'll have another uh, interesting interview uh, down the road. Thanks again. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Thriving Lawyers podcast. We love hearing from our loyal listeners, so please feel free to email us any questions, comments, suggested topics, or guest recommendations at the following address, feedback at thrivinglawyerspodcast.com. The Thriving Lawyers podcast is brought to you by Real-Time Creative Learning Experiences, a national provider of continuing legal education and professional development programs that leave participants engaged, encouraged, and equipped to pursue meaningful and sustainable change in their practices, their lives, and the organizations they work in. And by Osborne Conflict Resolution, your experienced guides through the uncharted terrain of business and family law disputes based out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Thriving Lawyers Podcast.